Hello and welcome to today's episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. Emmy-nominated journalist Jennifer Rogers Markwell changed gears in her television career when she realized the need to help women make sense of investing. She regularly hosts educational workshops to empower women and others to take charge of their financial future. Now, join your host, Platinum Wealth Management President Jennifer Rogers Markwell as she leads us into the world of money memories, money infidelities, and how these can mold our relationships relationship with our personal finances as adults. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, it's Jennifer Rogers Markwell, and you're joining us on the Platinum Talks Wealth podcast. Today, we're joined by Maya Gutierrez. Hopefully, I'm saying your name right. That's who good. is a fellow podcaster in the universe and, you know, has some great things to share. Well, Maya, thanks so much for joining us and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. So my name is Maya. I, I just launched my fearlessly divine podcast. I'm very excited to do it. Uh, the mission of my podcast is to create a community of women that will support and uplift each other to fearlessly live their best lives. Essentially, you know, as women, I think we feel the stress of um, wanting to show up for our families, wanting to be the career woman, um, you know, kind of feeling like we have to have it all all together. Um, I think sometimes our self-care slips through the cracks and um, just kind of prioritizing ourselves slips through the cracks. So I think in, in community, we can remind each other of the importance of that and, and inspire one another to really, um, chase after our dreams, live our best lives, you know, whatever that means for you, it's different for everyone. I, you said something that definitely resonated with me. Um, I feel like on the outside, people put forth a certain persona, right? Like you're running, you've got it together. Oh, that person just knows it, right? They have it together. They're so put together the whole time with their business, personally, everything. And then when you look underneath a little bit, like they're kind of a hot mess, right? Because they're, they're sharing everything that they have, every ounce of their being. And then there's things that are dropping behind the scenes. Like that one shoe is kind of falling. You're like, Oh, do I need, you know, to take better care of myself? Yes, I do. Yes. Yes, I do. Am I running hard in these directions? Yes. And I'm fantastic, but I, you know, I'm not doing so fantastic back here. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all only human, right? None of us is perfect. Imperfection is kind of the name of the game as human beings. Um, so we all need support, right? And it's like, how, how beautiful would it be if we can be authentic with one another and reach out for support where, wherever we need it? I think that comes into the, the conversation of just being really raw and really vulnerable, quite frankly. And I, and I think in our day and age, sometimes that's hard to do. Totally. I mean, you know, I'm not the biggest social media person, but um, and social media has been around for quite a while now, even back, say like 10 years ago or so, I made the decision to consciously leave social media for the sake of my mental health, because it really just got into this kind of like comparison and like putting that best, obviously everybody's putting their best foot forward and it's not a crime to put your best foot forward. Um, but for me, just speaking from my own perspective, I was not in a space where I wanted to see everybody's best foot coming forward because I felt like I had none of my life together. I mean, you could even say that I'm going through that kind of period of my life again now, like nothing in my life is together. Um, but I guess now with like a little bit of like, I guess being a little older, a little wiser, 
um, I think I'm coming at it differently and even using social media differently, like really using social media as a tool and what it, I guess it's meant to do in the first place to connect with one another, to find support with like-minded women, like-minded individuals, um, rather than that kind of competitive um, feel. Yeah. And I um, I'm guilty of loving, you know, the puppies and the kitties and the babies as well. Like I like the, the drama free zone myself, right. Yeah. Where, where it's possible. <laughs> Um, however, I feel like, you know, a, a safe space I think is so important and there's not a lot of that out there. I mean, not that it's all, you know, bad by any means on social media. I think it has a place and it connects people. It does, but like what you're sharing is more of a, a, a mental place where people can have that safe space to be truly who they are. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we, we deserve that, right? Like we deserve to live a life where we're not pretending acting you know, we should be always in alignment with who our true selves really, really are. And I feel like that is, I mean, kind of back to you're evolving all the time, mm-hmm. right? Myself and my, you know, teens was clearly different than myself in my twenties totally. than myself in my thirties and not to date myself, but also myself in my forties, right? I feel like I have evolved from such a different person. I look back and I'm like, oh, dang, like, some of the things like that you choose, well, for me that I've chosen to kind of go through or do, I'm like, oh gosh, my 40 year old self would never do that. Like now I'm like, gosh, it's seven, eight o'clock. It is bedtime. I have mm-hmm. no business. Like I, I have no business wanting to really, you know, go out like I did when I was younger by any means. And I find more kind of security and respite and just like kind of relaxing and having some downtime where I can. So yeah. clearly I think we evolved to a different place. And so when you were saying that you're, you're evolving too, I find that fascinating. That's great. Cause I think we always are. Yeah. Yeah. We all always are. And, um, you know, I think we, we also have to be mindful about like checking in with ourselves periodically, because I think in, in our society today, it's really so easy to just go on autopilot, right? You know, get yeah. up, go to work, the kids, school, you yeah. know, lunch, dinner, <laughs> bedtime, do it, rinse and repeat, you know, do it all again, that it, you're just kind of, um, you know, stuck in the matrix or whatever. And, and it's really, you know, we were talking about self-care earlier, and it's really just important to just give yourself that space, that time, and whatever that looks like for you. Like, I'm not going to preach to anybody you know, you should meditate or you should go on long walks. Like it's different for everybody, right? Like I am not the best person. Like meditation practice is so hard for me. It's tough. Uh, It's It's so hard, but I love to go on a walk in the park. And that's where I do feel kind of connected more so with, you know, my, the universe, a higher power, whatever you want to call it. And I feel like I get like, you know, these messages come through me in a way that somebody who meditates might, but I, I can't sit still for five, 10, 20 minutes. <laughs> and interesting that you say that. Have you ever done a walking meditation? I've heard of those. I, I haven't though. I mean, I've done like my own version of a walking meditation, yeah. but not like a guided, like, you know. No, like it, your own version. I mean, I wonder yeah. if that's kind of what you're falling into now with your walking. Like that sounds yeah. fantastic. I, I think it is. I think, yeah, it's just, it's what I do. It's what I, what I enjoy. Cause I, I love being in nature and I, I just have only recently learned that about myself. Like, I think it's been true and present of me for a long time. Um, but when, when I'm stuck kind of on the go, on the go, on the go, on the go, I didn't always make time to get outside. Whereas now I realize that I have to prioritize for that for myself. 
Love that. You said something a little bit earlier about how we just are on this autopilot, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like when, for me personally, when I get stuck kind of in that realm, I'm not doing a lot of reflecting or betterment of myself just because you're, you're running, right? And you're running and you're trying to keep up and take care of everything. Um, one of the things that I find interesting too, is when people take that time and kind of pull back a little bit, you realize why you do the things you do many times are tied to something in your childhood or a memory that you have much like, you know, money memories. Right. So a money memory of like, Hey, I act, or I treat money a certain way, or I believe money is a a tool or whatever that is in your life now as an adult, maybe because of a memory that you encountered as a child and you didn't even realize that seed was planted and that created your relationship now. Yeah. So when it comes to money memories, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I have some some funny money memories. Um, when I was very young, well, actually for most of my childhood, um, my dad worked for Bank of America, but he worked as like a computer programmer. So I can't really explain to you what his job was. I know that when um, like the year 2000 came, he worked a lot of late nights because his job was to like reprogram like all like the the computer programs, I guess, were all set to two digit years and they needed to change it to four digit because it was going to go back to zero, zero and the computers were going to think it was 1900 and everything was going to crash. Remember? Yes. Yes. That was a big deal, right? People (laughs) were so nervous about that. And they're like, oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So so that was my dad's job. But even earlier than that, um, I didn't understand his job and I just knew he worked at the bank. And being like a four-year-old thinking that your dad works at the bank, I was just thought we have unlimited money, you know, because the bank is where you go to get money. (laughs) So I just thought my dad works at the bank. We can have money whenever we want. (laughs) So that was my kind of like my earliest memories of money or what I thought perceived money as, Um, you know, I think we, I didn't grow up either wealthy or poor I just thought you know we were we were just fine we were we had everything we needed roof over our heads food on the table clothes on our backs all of the things you know Mm -hmm. um we didn't have a lot of extras and um both my parents I could say probably grew up in poverty uh they grew up um they're they're immigrants to this country so they grew up in El Salvador and um yeah I think they're and I can't go too much into their childhoods, obviously, but I think probably more marked by poverty. And so I think even what they brought into kind of raising their kids, even though we weren't necessarily in poverty, um, there was still kind of that mentality there somehow. And that even though I wasn't raised in poverty, like that, that kind of mentality has still that mindset has a little bit been passed down to me as well. And I've actually never really stopped to consider it until maybe this year and really been kind of observing my, my behaviors, my patterns and thinking about where does this come from and, and really realizing that it's kind of like generational, like passed down. (laughs) Yeah. Has it created kind of a a self not only a self-awareness, but a place of kind of lack when it comes to money for you, when you think about it initially? I think so. Even a few years back, um, my oldest daughter is four. And so let's just say five years ago or so I was pregnant and, um, you know, all the baby things, there's all the baby things, right. And, and there's a range of prices of all the baby things. 
Um, but I was really resourceful and I really like accepted tons of hand-me-downs within my circle of friends, kind of my, my husband's and I circle our friends. We were kind of the later last ones. And I guess I have different pockets of friends. So there's like other circle of friends where mm -hmm. I was kind of on the earlier side of having babies. But with this kind of older friend group, um, we were kind of the last ones to have to start having kids. And so there were all these things kind of passed down to us, all this great quality baby clothes, great quality like uh, baby carriers and pack and plays. And I was just like, yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it all, anything you got, you know, anything to save me. Um, you know, a dollar or a trip to the store or whatever. Um, and I, you know, back then I didn't think much of it. And I think it's still fine even to this day, but just as I'm starting to examine my, where my relationship with money came from, I think those are the ways being resourceful um, comes from this place of just in case there's not enough, I guess. So yeah, a little bit of like a scarcity mindset. Yeah. And I, I find that that's definitely an over or undertone or overtone, depending on how you look at it for a lot of folks, right. Depending on how you were brought up, what your parents or grandparents or whoever raised you brought into the picture. And I think I shared with you, my grandparents were big on like big savers, depression kids. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I go because of the memories from them and kind of what they've instilled in me as well. So for your kids, are your kids at the point where now they have any understanding of money or are they still kind of trying to navigate that being that they're little? Yeah, it's, yeah, my kids are really young. So they're four and two. I would say the two-year-old doesn't quite understand, you know, for me, it's just like, don't put that quarter in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and with the four-year-old. Um, so we recently took a trip to Disneyland uh, for the two-year-old's birthday. And uh, the two-year-old didn't ask for it. The four-year-old probably asked for it more, even though it wasn't her birthday. <laughs> but I did want to give them some experience. Um, my four-year-old turned two right before COVID. And we traveled to Hawaii for her birthday, like right before everything shut down. It was February 2020. And it was just like a really nice thing that we got to do, even though like two is not like a significant age or anything like that, but it was just, I felt good that we were able to do that for her birthday when she was two. We, we went to Hawaii. Um, we took these family pictures. It was just a, a nice trip. And so I think I had this kind of guilt coming up in me of like, okay, now my little one's going to turn to like, what are we going to do for her on her second birthday? Like, we're not going to travel back to Hawaii, you know, like just the situation's not the same anymore. But I was like, but we can go to Disneyland. We can we can make that happen. And the girls will both enjoy that, even though the little one's not asking for it. Um, what I did not prepare myself for is all the gift shops. <laughs> and my four-year-old just being so like, I want it all. You know, here I am yeah. from the mommy and daddy point of view of like, we're going to Disneyland, like that should be enough. And And maybe I just, I haven't been to Disneyland before as a parent. Maybe I just haven't been to Disneyland in a while that I, I don't know why I didn't think about gift shops and they're everywhere. <laughs> and oh yeah, every that's strategic. Every kid is, you know, the, the model of like the ears and the wands and the princess dresses. There's everything. And I was just like, why, why did this not cross my mind? Mm -hmm. um, we, we were with grandma, we were with Nana and, um, and grandpa was supposed to be there as well. And so uh, they, they ended up buying all the, things <laughs> um which I would have probably been more firm of 
of how we navigated that. But I guess, you know, with grandma and grandpa, fine. What ended up happening was about like a few days later, because we were down in Southern California, we go to the Long Beach Aquarium and they have gift shops too. <laughs> so now I was like a little bit more prepared. Um, being that we were seeing family down in Southern California, my my older daughter was like gifted a $5 bill from somebody. And so when we go to the Long Beach Aquarium, I just told her, you, we can go to the gift shop. You have your own money. You can pick something that you can buy with your money. $5 doesn't go very far in the gift shop. Yeah. Um, but she bought, you remember those little slap on bracelets? Yes. The slap bracelets. Yes. Yeah, she, she was able to find that. That was probably like three ninety nine or something. And I was like, you can buy this pick your color. And and she did. And she loves that bracelet so much. And she, I think she probably appreciates it because she knows she bought it with her own money. So she is, you know, my long-winded response to your question. I think she is starting to kind of develop um, some understanding of money. And I think um, going back to what I was raised with, I'm trying to be careful to not really pass continue to pass down that poverty mindset on her because I even heard her say one day like oh that's too expensive and I'm like what I don't remember what it was about but I'm like I wonder if she's heard me say that or if she's heard dad say that or my mom even you know but it's like um obviously I'm not in the position to buy her every single thing she wants but I also don't want her to just kind of internalize some of these messages that I know I've internalized. I now know I've internalized. Yeah, that's super powerful. And and again, I mean, you're planting the seeds in a young person, right? So I feel like that's just, man, that's a lot. (laughs) It is. And I think, you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity that this year has provided me in really confronting that. Because I think I was just, unaware of it we were talking about being on autopilot right like I was just living my life with these messages so ingrained in me and not even recognizing how they impacted my behaviors and my decisions or and my parenting (laughs) and um and so yeah I think I I have to be grateful that I've confronted it and I'm working on it you know it's not by all means it's not you know solved in any way I still have to kind of challenge myself and challenge my thinking and just being aware of it um and being more cognizant of how I want to parent in in terms of teaching her a a relationship with money no that's fantastic and I feel like we're always a work in progress right I think when you throw in the towel like it's probably not a direction you want to go into because we could always do better or different and learn more. And I, you know, I, I always stress that too, even with my daughter, she, um, her, her money memories are like investing birthday money, Christmas money into a stock, right. And just saving, saving as a little person. And, uh, she's 12 now. Um, so for her, it was like, when we would go to Disneyland, she would say, I own this place. I'm like, no, no, you may own like a tiny rock on this place. Like you don't own this place. You have, you know, a fractional little amount of tiny amount of this place. Right. So I think for me, it was planting that seed differently than how it was planted to me as a young person too, and trying to just continuously do better and different, which is exactly what you're sharing. Yeah. Well, tying from money memories to money infidelities. I mean, we've, we've heard of them. Some of us have lived through those. We've experienced them. 
Have there been any that you are open to sharing, whether that be your own or that you've heard or that you think others could learn from potentially? Sure. Yeah. So I talked about kind of like my family growing up and um, we, we weren't poor. Like my, my mom was a stay at home mom. So my dad's job made him enough money to pay the bills. We didn't go on lavish vacations or anything like that, but we had what we needed. Um, And again, I can't go into the psychology of my dad, but I think what I've also been um, realizing lately is that he had, he had weird money quirks and money behaviors. And so there was certain things he didn't want to spend on. Um, This isn't an infidelity, but it's a little bit of a trauma. So when I was young, my teeth were really crooked. They were like just everywhere, overcrowding. I had too many teeth and my, pretty much my teeth are too big for the size of my mouth. (laughs) And that's what the dentist had said. And so it just caused like overcrowding. I had to have so many teeth instructed and years of braces. When I went in for my first consultation of braces, I must've been like 10 or 11. The orthodontist quoted my dad uh, a certain amount. In my memory, it's something like $4,000. And I remember my dad think like, going home. I remember, I don't remember the words that were said, but I just remember having this feeling of shame and guilt. Obviously I had no control of how my teeth grew in my mouth. It just was something that happened. Um, But I carried this guilt of like, oh my God, I'm costing my family $4,000. Wow. And as a grown up, that, you know, now that I've like made money and, you know, have kids and all of that, I'm like $4,000. I wore braces for three years. $4,000 over three years is not a lot of money. It's, it's to me, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. And I'm like, why did he make such a big deal out of it? And uh, we ended up finding a different orthodontist that maybe charged $3,000. So, okay, fine. That's fine. Go with a cheaper one. I, I got braces, whatever. Um, but to go along with like the infidelity of it, uh, when it came time for my two younger sisters to get braces, he just opted not to. And yeah, and so they're grownups dealing with like dental issues. Um, Yeah, so it feels like a little bit of an infidelity, maybe not towards me, but towards them. And and again, 3,000, 4,000 over a period of years is not a lot of money. But for some reason to him, it just wasn't something he wanted to spend on. So I'll share another story. I was about 21 and I was actually, I was in college and I was going to be doing a study abroad program. And um, in preparation for this study abroad program, my mom and I took a trip to Costco and we just bought like huge containers of like shampoo and like the big thing of tampons and like my, um, it was going to be a semester abroad. So six months. (laughs) And so it was kind of like my mom was preparing me to not have to worry about buying these things while I'm in another country and, you know, just kind of making it as easy for me as possible. So we go to Costco and buy all the things and it's like a $300 Costco trip, which it's Costco. It's really easy to do, right? Oh, Costco's hard to get out for under hundred bucks. I don't know. <laughs> right. Like it's just, yeah. it's tough. Everything's in bulk and you need everything. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was prepping for six months of my life. Um, and And my dad came home and got mad at her for that purchase. And so again, it's just one of those. And so I don't know if it's an infidelity necessarily, but, but it's just one of those things where it's a little bit bizarre um, 
you know, that in that same time period, he, he had gone on an international vacation and spent money on hotels and gifts for people abroad and, um, and $300 to send his daughter abroad and kind of like prep her, me, um, was too much. So I, yeah, I guess it does feel like an infidelity. It feels like why, why is it okay to spend on that over there? And I'm your kid. So yeah, I think it's a a little bit of a a money trauma (laughs) to kind of change it up a little bit. Yeah, no, I I think that ties into the the word infidelity, right? It could be something little, it could be something not directed at you, but it's something that clearly has made an impact on, on your life and your experiences with money. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll just mention the other big money message that I got growing up from my mom. So I've talked a little bit about my dad, but from my mom, the message was to be an independent woman. Don't ever rely on a man. Um, and she was telling me that from her experience of feeling stuck in her marriage um, and not having, I t- mentioned that in, in the beginning of her marriage, she was a stay-at-home mom while me and my sisters were young and for, for quite a long time. Um, but I think she also just felt stuck in that position and with no options because she she didn't have her own finances. And so that message, I think it was super explicit and I took it and I ran with it. And I was like, I, yeah. I need to just be as successful as I can be and, and try to never be in a position where I have to rely on anybody else. So, you know, we were talking earlier about creating that community of support it, it kind of all ties back in together because I'm like, I've lived my life in this kind of self-reliant, independent way, which on the outside, people will admire and applaud and, you know, root for, and definitely we should root for them. But going back to that message of everybody needs support. And for me, becoming a mom has really shifted my um my what I don't know if it's my thought or just like yeah the way I kind of perceive the fact that I do need help like I have to be humble and ask for help and receive help even though I've lived my life for a long time thinking I didn't need anybody's help for anything yeah well thank you so much for sharing I mean that's I I appreciate your honest and your vulnerability like I um something else that you had said like we we use in our household, a man is not your financial plan. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like man that. is not your financial plan. And to tell, you know, a young tween that, and to try to, you know, really put that in her brain. Like, yes, I agree. You want to have, you know, a partner, whatever that partner looks like or is or whatnot. Right. You want to have that support from that person or, or a community as well, by all means, but you also want to be able to stand strong on your own two feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, before we officially wrap up, um, I always like to ask, are there any tips and tricks that you utilize in your household to save money? Tips and tricks to save money. I don't know that I'm, you know, any money guru by any means, but um, I, I, this might actually come from my dad with his his work at the bank. He opened my first bank account when I was like five or so, awesome. and there were just always automatic deposits. Um, and to this day, I keep that on so that I don't even know that it's happening at this moment I don't even remember what I have it set to (laughs) but I know that twice a month there's um withdrawals or transfers whatever you want to call them transfers from from this account to this account so putting money into savings so that's that's like a savings 
saving money tip, but then I guess like shopping wise, I, I do love to search for sales. I kind of mentioned to you that I, I just like, like discount shopping. Like yes. I would love to wear like a pair of designer jeans, but if I can find them at TJ Maxx or Nordstrom Rack, like they're the same designer jeans, but I got them for 60% off. <laughs> a girl after my own heart. Like I, I teased with you, like I'm $5 shirt girl, right? I want that $250 shirt for $5 with a coupon. I mean, could I afford it? Yes. Would I buy it? No, just because that's who I am. And I want that deal. Right. And it's the thrill of the hunt. I feel like too. I totally get a rush from buying something cheaper than (laughs) than it should be. (laughs) And especially when it's something like nicer too. Like, I'm just like, Ooh, I got it for cheap. (laughs) Well, I'll share one. I got, this was at the beginning of last year. I got these, I forget what the full price was. They must've been like $60 slippers. And I got them for like 16 and, nice. like, and these slippers are so comfy. I just love them. <laughs> That's fantastic. <Yeah. laughs> well, thank you for spending some time with us and thanks everyone who's listening or joining us as well. And we hope that you'll join us again on our next episode of Platinum Talks Wealth. If you enjoyed today's podcast, Platinum Talks Wealth, please subscribe and share. For more information about Jennifer Rogers Markwell or Platinum Wealth Management, please visit www.platinumwealth.net. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member of FINRA and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and their companies are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Platinum Wealth Management. 